You're listening to another hope-filled podcast from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifenz.org. We're in for a great morning this morning, and I I believe that God is doing something significant here at Life. And uh, we as a church are believing that 2019 would be the year of here now. Uh, In a couple of weeks' time, we've got our Life Conference taking place, and I believe there's a couple of extra tickets that have been released, so if you have missed out, make sure you do register. But we're believing over that conference, over our church, over this year, that it would be here and now. What do you mean by that? In Vision Sunday, Pastor Paul talked about the fact that this is the year, not for any one of us that call life home or believe in Jesus, to sit back and wait for God to do something but engage our lives with God and see the here now moment take place. What is it you're believing for? You know, I I can't believe we're in April already. It's kind of flowing on by. And as I was taking stock this week of this year to date, I'm challenging myself, am I living the here now well? The Bible declares that God sent the Holy Spirit, His presence with us wherever we went. As soon as Jesus left, he said, I'm going, but someone is coming. And he's going to be your advocate. He's going to be your helper. He's going to be among you every day of your life. And I love that thought, but I'm challenging myself. I want to challenge you this morning from the outset. How well are you living? You're here now. Maybe it's your first time in church today. Welcome, as Birad said, and and you don't know anything about Jesus. Well, I believe at the end of the service, you're going to have an opportunity to know Jesus. And When you discover a relationship with Him, you discover you can have all power and all authority of heaven a part of your life because of what He's done and you making a decision in your here and now to say yes to Him. But I've been a Christian a little while and I've been challenged again as I've thought about this year as Pastor Paul declared over Vision Sunday, how well am I living my here now? And I was taken to a passage of Scripture we're going to read in the book of James in a moment and how many know you have those favourites? Of scripture, and then you have those scriptures you try and avoid as much as possible. I'm just being honest, confessions of a pastor this morning. <laughs> and this is one of those scriptures where it's, it's crucial that we understand it, but it's very challenging all the same. But back in Vision Sunday, Pastor Paul mentioned, talking of here now, that we need to realize that yesterday cannot be changed. That for some of us here today, I believe at the end of this service, you're going to walk away with a decision point moment. Hey, I've got to let yesterday go. That for some of us, what took place in yesteryear is still really dictating our here and now. The unforgiveness, the disappointment, the discouragement, but you and I need to realize if we're going to live our here and now well with God and His presence doing incredible things in our life, we need to accept the fact yesterday cannot be changed. On the flip side of that, Pastor Paul mentioned, and I guess is a real challenge for me personally, is that tomorrow will actually never be our current reality. For many of us, we live with a belief that God's got good things in store, and I believe He does, but if we're not careful, we can either live out of yesterday or live for tomorrow and miss our here now. And the challenge is not just to realize that yesterday can't be changed or not just to accept or acknowledge that tomorrow is actually not our current reality, but that today, here, now, is where a miracle moment can be created. 
Every moment you and I step foot into our workplaces, into our high schools, our universities, our sports clubs, our shopping malls, we all have an opportunity because of God and His presence and interest in your life and my life, we have an opportunity to live out here now moments that actually see our lives go to a new level and see society around us know there's a God in heaven who loves and cares. But if I'm honest, I think if most of us would be honest, we can often at times live our today bound to our past or live hoping that one day when would take place. And the book of James, I guess, sums up a revelation you and I as Christians need to get to. If you believe in Jesus, then this is a stark revelation, but one I believe the moment we accept and live from is the moment we start to live our here now well. And in the book of James chapter four, as I said, I want you to read these words in chapter th- uh, in verse 13, it says this, listen, those of you who are boasting today or tomorrow will go into another sp- city and spend some time and go into business there and make heaps of profit. Well, wait on a minute, because verse 14 says, you don't have a clue what tomorrow may bring. For your fleeting life is but a warm breath of air that is visible in the cold only for a moment and then vanishes. How many know? Not a great favorite scripture of mine. (laughs) Gets a little better. Verse 15 says, Instead, you should say, our tomorrows are in the Lord's hand. And if He is willing, we will live a life to its fullest and do this or do that. A very real difference between living our lives self-confident to the point where we don't need God, whereas the writer of James is wanting to remind you and I, instead, you should say, hey, our tomorrows are actually in, not our hands, they're in the Lord's hands. And if He's willing, we will have the fullest of lives, but it's a revelation that my life will count when it's centered in God's hands. Another version puts it a little bit more brutally in chapter 14. It says this, You, I, wear the mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes, speaking of our life. So if you want to know what your life looks like, this is it. There it was. (laughs) Maybe for some of us here today, it's a little bit longer. Oh, but now it's gone as well. (laughs) I'm 33, so I'm probably... There I am. (laughs) Your life is but a vapor. Now you see it, now you don't. I don't know about you, but that's challenging to realize because I feel like I got my whole life ahead of me. I feel like life to this date has carried on for a long time, but from God's perspective, He wants you and I to understand, don't wait for tomorrow. Don't live bound to what was. Live your here now well because you don't know what tomorrow may bring. But if you live here now, you will see something significant take place. If you're taking notes, you're looking for a title of this message. I've titled it, Knock Knock, Who's There? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your presence that is here in your house. For the privilege it is, we get to be called your sons and your daughters. But I pray this morning, look, it wouldn't just be another message but we'd have a moment in your presence, a moment of realisation that you are for us and not against us, a moment that in this moment, whether we feel very distant from you or we feel as close as we've ever been, that we have all we need in you to see our here now lived well. We pray that your presence would be with us 
in our here now, in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. I don't know if you've ever had this moment where you're talking to someone and they kind of, they're there, but they're not there. You're talking and then all of a sudden they said, what did you say? And it's like, dude, I was just talking right to you. Like, the lights are on, but no one's home, so to speak. You know those moments? Well, it's a common bit of a, a joke in our family, in the De Jong household, when we get together for a family night, that if there's a good movie on the TV, then there's no point in trying to have a conversation with my wife, Melissa, because she will be there, but not be there, because she is in the movie herself. <laughs> and it's quite funny, because I'm starting to see this trait in a couple of my kids now, where if they're really loving some certain cartoon, you know, Paw Patrol or something good like that, I could, if I could do it, I would, but I can't, so I don't. But if I could do backflips, I'm sure I could do them in front of them and the TV, that, that gap in between, and they still would not know how awesome I was at doing a backflip because they are zoned in. They're here, but not here. And it got me thinking, how many of us as Christians or human beings live life and we kind of just realize that I may have been here in my presence, but I wasn't present. I've been in church service, I don't know how many thousands of times. Ever since a young boy, I've been in church morning and night on a Sunday and then anything else there in between. And if I'm not careful, I can come to church today and be here in my presence, but not be present. We can walk in and walk out completely the same if we don't live out here now well. God is God and I believe He can do anything He wants, but I wholeheartedly believe He's looking for men and women like you and I that respond in our moment to engage His presence. It's in those moments we see something significant take place and in a couple of short moments time we're going to take communion together, create some room, some space to have some here now moments, but I want to challenge you, I guess I want to stir you up to not just do life, because how many know life gets in the way? How many know life happens? That time waits for no one, they say. But for many of us, we can acknowledge where we're at in life, whether the mountaintop or the valley, and invite God in, and in those moments that we invite Him in is the moments we see significance take place in our here and our now. Could it be that Christians right around the world are still living with the voice of yesterday's challenge or the promise of what tomorrow may bring that they live stagnant in their today. And we fail to see society come right side up because we are either parked in what was or we're hoping for what is to come. But I believe God, through His Word, has shown us that the men and women like you and I that activate their moment and every moment is what we start to see significance take place and generational change be at the forefront. There's two guys in the Bible, Paul and Silas. If you've been a Christian a little while, you might have heard the story about them being thrown in prison. These are awesome Bible-believing dudes, and they find themselves in what would be a falsely accused moment where they're thrown into prison back in the day. They had a right to a fair trial, but that didn't happen. They got falsely accused and were thrown into prison. Like you and I, I'm sure they had many thoughts like, why God or what's going on? But I'm really interested that their response was not one of 
questioning who God was or what he was doing, but rather a declaration of faith to say, God, I I trust you. God, I don't know what's going on right now, but in this moment, this here now, I believe you're with me, so I'm going to choose to praise you. And we find this account in Acts 16, 25 to 26, and I love it because they are in prison and they have every right to be saying, why God? But it says, at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners, I love this, were listening to them probably rather annoyed because it was midnight. And how many know when you want to go to sleep, you just want to go to sleep? Boys, quit it. (laughs) Who let these guys in anyway? What did they do? You know, I'm sure there's a bit of angst going on. But the prisoners were listening. Verse 26, suddenly, suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened. And watch what happens, everyone's chains were loosed. Isn't it interesting that Paul and Silas, in a moment of challenge, imprisonment, in a moment where life shouldn't be going the way it was going, chose to trust God over themselves. In that moment, I'm sure they had many questions of God, what are you doing here and now? Yet they chose in their here now, to bring God into the picture. And what took place was nothing short of supernatural. Not only were they freed from the prison cell themselves, but everyone in the vicinity of their life was also freed. What would Christianity be able to do in our society if every Jesus-following, Bible-believing Christian chose not to ask why God, but declare God's promises of yes, And amen. Would our society come to know Jesus in a whole different way? I believe so. Why? Because the scripture tells us that despite the challenge, God's still faithful. And when we choose in our here now to invoke God's presence, people are freed. Even if it is true, as James puts it, that our life is but a vapor, like we're here and then we're gone. It's, as I said, well, there it is. It it behoves you and I to live our lives out of a conviction that even though we may not be able to be sure of life itself or what it may bring, we may not in our own understanding be able to, I guess, accept that fully, that if we are a vapor and something that appears for a moment and then is gone the next, then I've got to ask the question, where or how do we live life to live every moment? as though it matters. I believe these guys taught us a lesson that many people in the Bible have taught lessons of, and that is trusting not in our own ability, but in the character of our God. If God is faithful from generation to generation, He's okay and He's got your back. But how many of us, come on, self-subscribe to our own understanding or our own ways of thinking and we fail to give God benefit of the doubt because we find ourselves in a prison type moment where maybe you deserved it, maybe you didn't, but you're bound. And instead of declaring that God's faithful, we start to question where God is. 
I want to stir you this morning because I believe God wants to bring freedom to many people. And it comes out of an understanding that every moment matters and God's character can be trusted. I love the book of Proverbs. This powerful scripture that talks about wisdom, talks about trusting in God. And in, you'll find it in verse five and seven of chapter three. And I want you to just take a moment to let this sink in. Trust in the Lord what? Completely. Do not rely on your own opinions. This is speaking to me now. <laughs> with all your heart, with it all, rely on Him to what? To guide you. Why? Because He will then lead you in every decision you make. Become intimate with Him. Have a relationship with Jesus in whatever you do, and He will lead you wherever you go. Verse seven, here's a challenge. Don't think for a moment you know it all. For wisdom comes when you adore him with undivided devotion and avoid everything that is wrong. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding, another version puts it. But how many of us, come on, let's be honest for a moment. In the busyness of day to day, trust our own knowledge more than his word. How many of us find ourselves in the tension of prison and go, why God rather than God, you're good? How many of us, and I believe for all of us, we need to be reminded God doesn't look down and go, oh, you've blown it. Next. No. God is faithful from generation to generation. He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. But we live our lives waiting for what is to come or being bound by what happened failing to realize that, no, I have all that I need in who he is, and he chooses us to presence himself right here and right now. And like I said, we're gonna take communion in a moment, and there's this story in the book of Daniel of these three incredible guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. My shack, your shack, and Abednego, <laughs> as I heard someone once put it. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are under the reign and rule of a king known as Nebuchadnezzar. And we're gonna move into a time, as I said, of communion of ministry and the team are joining me, but I don't want you to be distracted for a moment because this story is profound. These young guys respect the king and have done whatever he's asked of them, but there's a moment in time where the king decides to build an idol. And he makes a decree to all under his kingdom, every single person will bow to this idol. Yet Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had given their lives over to God and said, hey, this isn't gonna work for us. And so they made a decision they would not do what the king was asking everyone to do. Word got back to the king and the king got so frustrated and rage, he sent his soldiers to this furnace they had and said, I want you to turn that baby up as hot as you can because I'm gonna throw these guys into the fire and teach them a lesson. The Bible goes on to say the fire was so hot that the soldiers who were stoking the fire died just from being in proximity of the fire. The king goes down and the soldiers, a new batch of soldiers take these three young men down and as the fire is at its hottest point, they get thrown into the fire. The Bible says the king is watching, I'm sure between the flames and the smoke, and he says, whoa, 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 didn't we throw three guys in? 
And they said, yeah, 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 Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He says, well, I can see a fourth. And in fact, the Bible says, I can see a fourth that looks like a form of a God. And God had sent an angel to protect these three young men in the fire. And when he saw the fourth, the king said, yo, get them out. And he called them out and they came out and the Bible says they didn't smell of smoke or not one hair on their body got singed by that fire because God protected them. And it even goes on to say that the king said, because of what happened, I will decree over this land that everyone should serve your God, who's obviously the God of all gods. And I share that story to share this passage that just before Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego are going into the fire and the king is letting them know what was gonna take place. Hey, all you have to do is bow like everyone else and you don't need to go through this. It says in Daniel 3, 16 to 18, these incredible words. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power and then politely, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. But even if God doesn't, I'm not gonna change my confession. But even if God doesn't, I'm still gonna believe for healing. But even if God doesn't, it doesn't change who I am in Christ and it doesn't change who He is to me. They had a conviction that their here now was more important than what may be. What was it that took these guys' lives to a point of death, you could argue, and not be afraid in the midst of the battle? I believe that these young men understood a few things. They understood that if they were out of control, it meant God was in control. Because in your weakest, the Bible declares He's His strongest. I think they understood that their confidence was not found in a dead idol that people were bowing down to, but rather their confidence was found in a living God. I believe they understood it was better to suffer with a living God than to live in sin, which meant death. That it was better for them to not conform to the values or the morals of this world, but rather stand firm on what they believed to be true according to who God was and what He had spoken. And even though there may have been personal suffering, they understood that suffering with a living God was far better than dying death in sin. And finally, I think they understood that God would deliver them either from death or in death. What would it take for you and I to live a life that in our here nows, regardless of what may come or what may go, we would stay true to trusting in God's character, to believe that He is who He says He is, and even if He doesn't. And I've asked the team to sing this song, and 
The emblems of the communion are gonna be passed around right now. I don't want you to be distracted, but a little bit of bread, this little bit of bread symbolising the importance of what Jesus went through according to His own words, that my body would be broken for you. This little cup of grape juice symbolising, signifying the blood that was shed on the cross so that you and I could have freedom from our sins. And this song comes out of, I guess, the story in Daniel. It's called Another in the Fire. And as you take communion, I want you to take it as the Bible declares in remembrance of what Jesus did for you. But maybe this could be a moment where you sit and reflect a moment where you invite God into your here and your now. Maybe for you, you're sitting here and if you're honest, you know, to, tomorrow is, or the allure of tomorrow is what you're living for rather than living your here now. Or maybe if you're honest, the regret or the challenge, the disappointment of your past of yesteryear is actually still having a hold on your life. Then if you're in that place, I'm gonna encourage you to let it go. Yes. To come back and say, God, I... I trust you more than I trust myself. God, I'm not gonna live hoping that tomorrow is gonna be better. I'm gonna live my here now, my today, in your presence, in a brand new start, in a brand new way. Maybe you are one of those people like Paul and Silas, you find yourself imprisoned by something you're not proud of or you don't deserve. Oh, I believe you can make a decision in a moment after you take communion to declare the song over your life and, and make a decision, hey, Come hell or high water, come feast or famine, God is still faithful. I'm gonna declare that there is always another in the fire. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifenz.org.